Thank you for tuning in to The Grammar of Grief with your host, Uma Girish, the show that is dedicated to creating a safe space to discuss the big life questions around grief, loss, death, and dying. Now, here's your host, Uma Girish. Welcome everyone, I'm your host Uma Girish and this is a guest episode on the Grammar of Grief. One of the reasons why I love my life in Chicago is because we have four distinct seasons here and right now we are in the middle of winter. Winter is typically a time for hibernation. It's a time to go inward, to reflect and contemplate and it's a really good time to Look back on the year as you have lived it. Take stock of your gains. Take stock of what didn't go wrong, where you could have made different choices. And then look forward with optimism and intention. So this typically, to me, is a time for the soul. And this is in perfect alignment because my guest today is Saisha, who is a soulistic life coach for all souls who are already on their spiritual path but may still be feeling lost in a certain area in their lives or uncertain about their choices and next steps. She helps them make decisions and take actions that will bring them closer to the life their soul wants to live. If you can relate to being an old soul, take the Soul Journey quiz on her website, which is www.nestintheforest.com. No space is just one word nestintheforest.com. Welcome, Saisha. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Oh, thank you. And thank you for such a warm welcome, too. And I love how you introduced the topic about the seasons, because I totally agree about, um, you know, the fall and winter being um, inward going Mm -hmm. seasons, you know, where we retreat within and connecting with our soul. So yeah, this is a perfect conversation. Lovely. Okay, so let's just dive in um, and start with what is your definition of the soul? Because so many listeners understand um, conversations and concepts around the soul. But I think if you were to ask them to boil it down to what is the soul, many may struggle. So for for purposes of clarity, I'd like to begin at, at the very beginning. What is your definition of the soul? You're right. It's um, such a simple word, isn't it, Um, on the surface, but it has many uh, layers to it. Um, There's this beautiful word in Sanskrit called jivatma. And if you break that down into its two parts, jiva uh, plus atma, the jiva part refers to the human part of us, you know, the part of us that's the body body Mm -hmm. and the mind and the form, Um, the part of us that can think and taste and touch. Um, It's the part of us that eats and sleeps and wakes up and grows and fears um, and defends and reproduces and ultimately dies and decays. Um, So it's a form. So the human part of us is driven by the intelligence of the body and the logic of the mind um, and that includes, you know, calculation, rationalization, um, forming our beliefs um, based on our past experiences or past data. 
But then the other part of that word, you know, the Atma part or the being part of us is that deepest part of us that is a spark of divinity itself. That is our soul. Wow, I love how you say that. Mm. Beautiful. Human yeah. being, so the human form and the divine spark. Lovely. That, yeah. That's such a simple but profound way to understand that. Yeah, and that, uh, if you can understand that, you can see both parts of that in yourself. You know, the being part or the soul is that part of us that is wise and fearless and still. Um, it's the part that is simply content to be. Um, you know, so that's, that's the being. So it's almost like a seed, you know, if you can imagine a seed that has all the qualities of a tree already within it, the being or the soul contains all the qualities of the universal soul, um, or whatever you want to call that bigger presence, you know, beyond our senses. Right. So I know from all my my personal learning, my personal growth and everything I teach that the soul always speaks to us in whispers. It doesn't mm-hmm. scream. It doesn't shout. Mm. So we live in such a noisy world where we are constantly bombarded with stimuli and information and things to know and things to learn. How do we know our soul is speaking to us when we live in such a noisy world? Yes. Um, So how to know the voice of our soul when the voice of our mind um, that's created not only from its past experiences, but like you said, but it's bombarded by the voices of the people around us, the voice of our culture, the voice of our conscience, the voice of um, expectations of other people around us, the voice of society and church and country all of these voices come together to create our mind's voice and um, it clamors for our attention. But when you're asking yourself a question or trying to make an important decision, um, whenever you notice a resistance within you against a thought um, or a belief or something you need to do, um, that resistance is because of a tug of war between the voice of your mind and the voice of your soul. Mm. So um, go ahead. I was just going to explain like how you can tell the difference, but did you have a question? That's exactly where I was going. (laughs) Okay. 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 Good. Um, So if you want to recognize if a thought or if your action is being driven by the mind, um, notice if that thought is, Um, looking for other people's approval or if it feels very predictable or planned or feels um, heavy or like too much work um, or that or if it feels like uh, you're conforming to the society or what other people might think those are all usually signs that um, your thoughts or actions are being um, driven by the mind But then if you notice or if you recognize uh, your thoughts or actions or feel playful or feel spontaneous, if they have uh, an element of wonder or awe um, or, uh, you know, creativity, 
um, that's usually, uh, you know, that usually tells you that it's uh, the voice of your soul. And one easy way, I think, uh, to tell the difference is whether it drains your energy or whether it's, um, it increases your energy, you know, makes you come alive. If it, if it makes you come alive, if it increases your soul energy, that's usually um, prompted by your soul. And the opposite is, so is by true. the mind. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. I mean, if I go back to all my life experiences, in all those instances when I felt a certain constricting, I felt like my energy was being drained by a very by the very thought of doing something or mm. meeting someone. Yeah. I knew that that was my ego mind. That was yes. the false self speaking. But anytime I looked at an opportunity and I just felt lit up from within, I knew that was my soul saying, go, go, go do this. That's it. Yeah. Lit up from within. Yeah. You feel it. You, it's almost like there's a lightness to it um, as opposed to the draining density when it's something against, um, you know, when it's something uh, that the mind thinks it needs to do based on, you know, uh, all its past experience or past data or everybody, what everybody else thinks. So that's a good way to um, describe it when you feel lit up from within. Right. Now, everyone loves a good story and you speak so beautifully about the soul. Can you share with us how your profound spiritual awakening happened and how you came to be doing the work you're doing today? Uh, sure. Um, and um, I'll I'll uh, preface it by saying if I do take a long time to tell my story, feel free to cut me off. <laughs> okay, that's okay. Uh, we yeah. have time. Okay, okay. Um, so my, star- my story starts out with um, kind of like everyone else's. It, I went to school. I went to college. I got a couple degrees. I got married. I had a child. I got a well-paid job. I got all these promotions. Um, so basically I had become a working mother with a corporate career and I'm sure many people can relate to this. Mm -hmm. And I worked in that corporate job for 15 years. Um, It was a great paying job, something that I went to school for and I was grateful for the money and the security that I had there. Uh, But when I was uh, 36 years old, um, I was still at my job, but I felt like I was at a really low point uh, in my life. Mm. I was fine externally, uh, you know, I was always fine on the surface, but I was following uh, that flow of the system that's set up for us, you know, the going to school, going to college, you know, that whole uh, system that's set up for us. So when I started feeling low, I started questioning everything I was doing and why I was doing it, all that I was Um, you know, supposed to do as part of my life. Um, And what I noticed was that I wasn't, that I wasn't actually myself when I went to work. Mm -hmm. I had created a mask, um, you know, almost like a persona. I wore a suit. I drove into work. I hated driving in that traffic. um, And I didn't agree with the pollution I was creating but besides that, I hated the work. Um, I hated the glass and brick buildings, um, the stuffy air. 
uh, in the buildings and I hated the networking, the meetings, the work lunches, you know, just the meaninglessness of my everyday work. Um, and yet I created this person, this persona that seemed just fine on the outside, who was perfectly fine going along with, you know, all this corporate culture. Um, and then I started noticing that I was doing this in other areas of my life as well. Uh, there was a, a persona that I put on when I attended my son's school meetings um, or sports, sports and concerts. And there was a persona I created for my family that came out on, you know, social, social calls or family events. <laughs> um, and then there was a person I created for when I went on vacations because um, I didn't really enjoy the vacations. But then why did I go? Um, I don't know, because I was supposed to. So it was, uh, it was then that I started noticing, like, all these different sides of me. Uh, I was trying to follow along with uh, all these different systems that our society sets up for us. Um, and I wondered how I didn't become a schizophrenic or, you know, that I didn't suffer from, like, a multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm laughing at it now, but it was a very painful period of uh, time that I was feeling like everything was coming crashing down on the inside. Um, this realization that I wasn't whole, um, you know, that I was trying to operate as these multiple people with uh, multiple personas, and none of them was myself. And uh, the only time I really felt I was myself. Uh, was in solitude. Um, so I started carving out alone time um, when I would meditate, uh, journal, or cry myself to sleep. Um, I also started uh, going away on solitary retreats to find who I am, you know, the famous uh, right. um, uh, journey uh, within, I guess, when um, I wanted to find out who I am when I didn't have to be all these other people, uh, all these other personas that I created. So what I found was that more than anything, I really just wanted to become me. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, this happens. I'm sure you can relate and I'm sure your uh, listeners can relate. But when you're in that pain, that misery, um, something happens within, you know, something breaks, I guess. And that's what happened for me as well. It almost came like a mystical experience. Um, I had uh, one night I had this dream of a, a, a gorgeous golden butterfly. Um, it was sitting in a nest and that butterfly had just seemed uh, very magical, very surreal almost, um, and the like the caterpillar broke out of its cocoon and found that it had become a butterfly poised for freedom and since that day it was like something within me broke open Mm -hmm. and that uh, like a light was lit in um I felt like I was on an ecstatic high and uh, it's funny but because that state uh lasted for about two or three years um, at that time, 
um, my meditations were just amazing. My uh, dreams, just during that period of time, it, my dreams every night were very, felt very symbolic and spiritual. And there was like a ton of synchronistic events uh, that came pouring in. Um, so even in my waking hours uh, during that period, I just felt like I was in a different state of consciousness, uh, like I was untouchable, as if no one could hurt me, you know. Um, so on the surface, my external life was still the same, you know, the same old corporate job. The, there was the usual bitterness and the gossip and the resentment. But on the inside, um, something profound had changed within me, you know, after those three years that um, that out of body feeling that feeling faded, but um, and I came back uh, down to earth, so to speak. But since then, I know that something changed in me forever. Um, a veil of illusion had been swept aside, um, and that butterfly um, I dreamt about it many, many times, and that came back into my work as well, and. That's how the seven stages of the soul's journey came to be. Um, and Uma, you know about uh, the seven stages of the soul's journey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For your listeners, I just want to add that I created this soul journey quiz. Um, you mentioned at the top of the call mm-hmm. on my website. Um, so if you feel like you're an old soul and want to learn where, where, you are on your journey, um, soul's journey. Um, I'd love for you to take that quiz as well. Uh, but anyway, just to finish up, when I came back down to earth uh, was when the real work began for me. You know, it was it was not enough to experience and connect with the deepest part of my being, my soul. But now I know I have a responsibility to bring it out into my everyday life, my external life. Um, so I made it a priority to change, uh, you know, change my commitments. I committed to uh, my spiritual path that was calling me. And I discovered my own wisdom, inner wisdom that was guiding me. And I made a conscious decision to listen to it and to follow it. So since then, I quit my corporate job several years ago. Uh, I bought a little home in the woods. I call it my nest in the forest. And I made a very deliberate decision to switch my life uh, from the old material, societal way of living to the, to a spiritual way of life. And so I started helping other people on their spiritual paths and purposes. And that has turned out to be my dharma, my purpose. That is such an inspiring story, Saisha. And it was wonderful and magical and possible for you to do that. Mm. There are so many women, and I say women, I I mean men and women, but I say women primarily because women Mm -hmm. are my audience, and I'm guessing it's the same with you. Yes. Um, So many women want to live a more spiritually aligned life, wake up to why they're here, find their purpose, But there is the reality of the success-driven, ambition-oriented world culture that we live in. So what would you say to someone who is struggling to balance the material with the spiritual in today's world? That is such a good question. Um, 
And I've had I've heard a couple um, people ask me if they had to run away into the woods to transform themselves <laughs> the way I did. Um, and of course, the answer is no. For one thing, you know, and and truthfully, not everybody might even experience that inner urge, right? But that right. inner urge to shift to a spiritual way of life, it can happen for several reasons. You know, it could be a life transition or like a midlife crisis, kind of like what happened to me, or it could be uh, because of the death of a loved one or a loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. uh, your listeners can probably relate to that. Uh, or it could be a due to your own um, near-death experience. Uh, you know, many people completely ch change their life, transform their life after a near-death experience. Or any other major life event like that, it can change you that way. And some, when something big like that happens, it, it becomes a portal uh, that opens up t for us to walk toward that inner path, you know, beyond our mm -hmm. outer senses. So how to create that shift to go from our outer senses, uh, you know, our outer life, the daily routine, our dependent relationships, how to go from those to and choose to step on a spiritual path? Because, um, as you said, the society around us, including our own family and friends, actually, uh, mostly, is heavily focused on external achievements and their own expectations of you and their um, ambitions and their definition of success. Um, but so how to bypass all of those expectations and be able to tap into our own inner wisdom? Um, for me, I guess, uh, the best thing you can do, I guess, is to um, I would say is to consciously create a tiny bit of time and space for yourself. Mm. And, you know, whether it's for, a, for an hour a day, or it could be like a weekend retreat or an annual getaway, um, or if you have young children, at least an extra few minutes in the bathtub uh, by yourself every night. Mm. Need, you really, really need that time and space space for yourself because uh all day long we get sucked into the energy of the people around us the places around us the things around us the environment around us and as you um pointed out you know this uh 24 7 world you know that's taking over right now pretty much everything around us has uh it, it carries energy but if you can um create a little bit of time and space to step away from that energy vortex and spend some time in nature or in meditation or you know you could get lost in music or running or yoga or anything that connects you to your soul i'd say try to create a ritual around that and that can help you connect with your own soul and with that universal soul or the universal wisdom that seems like such a simple suggestion, and yet I know the benefits mm. can be really profound because it starts with yes. taking 10 minutes or 15 minutes of that's all you have every single day. Yes. But that will give you such amazing momentum 
that when you begin to connect with your soul and it starts speaking to you and people show up and things happen and the phone rings and books fall off the shelf, yes. that's, that's the guidance. But you have to show up for those 10 or 15 minutes. The first yes. step is always yours, right? Right. Yeah, it's a commitment for sure. But it doesn't seem to be a big commitment when you recognize the 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 uh, impact of it on a, on your life. Um, and for me, it started out that way. It started out with like an hour at the end of each night, um, and that was my sanctuary at that time. You know, um, that's that's how I connected with my own deeper wisdom. Perfect. So yes, it's 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 small but you know profound. Right. Your website is amazing. It's really beautiful. It feels very soulful, I must say. So it's in perfect alignment with the work you're doing and the person you are. And I invite all our listeners to check out Saisha's website. It's nestintheforest.com. And what you say on your website is ancient wisdom plus practical spirituality for the modern old soul. Can you help unpack that for our listeners? Oh, yeah, I love to. And, and thank you so much for the compliment. I, uh, I'm pretty proud of my website because I put it together myself and I'm uh, uh, very pleased with how it um, turned out. So thank you. Uh, I think what I just said about creating a small ritual is a great example of ancient wisdom plus practical spirituality because um, ancient wisdom might teach us that a ritual is a lovely way toward becoming spiritual. But the rituals that, that were performed in ancient times might not be so practical in the modern world. Mm. Um, the cool thing about the world we live in now is that we have access to that wisdom, you know, the ancient wisdom, but the freedom to create our own rituals that work for us. Um, I first started meditating when I was uh, five years old, when my grandfather woke me every morning and would sit um, and light a lamp uh, in the morning and meditate on the Aum. And then I started learning yoga about 10 years later. I spent four years as a student at an ashram in India. So meditation, yoga, and spirituality became a way of life for me early on. And these uh, roots um, of ancient wisdom are what I relied on in my own um, low points, you know, during my own bleakest moments to find and create my way forward. And that's what I want to offer to other souls, other kindred souls on their spiritual journey. And if you don't mind, I just want to talk a little bit about something we are we refer to a few times, um, you know, I say I uh, work with old souls. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, you know, we talked about the human part and the being part, uh, you know, the human part, which is the body and the mind and the being part is the soul. If you, um, if you think about the body that dies and decays at the end of its life, but the soul lives on. Um, so an old soul would be someone who has been through several bodies or several lives or lifetimes on the planet earth. 
So over time, over several lives and experiences, um, all souls tend to pick up gifts of intuition, um, empathy. They become very sensitive to other people's energies and they may be inclined to be more spiritual than um, strictly religious. Um, they're seekers. They are longing to follow their soul's path. Mm. But sometimes it's hard to hear or understand their soul's voice. And so that's what I help them with. So that's, that's, that's basically what I mean by ancient wisdom plus practical spirituality for the modern old soul. Um, and, you know, the, you meant, we mentioned the soul journey quiz earlier. That's the first step to see if you feel like you can relate to what I talked about as an old soul. You know, if you feel like you um, are very intuitive and um, you're very sensitive and you have deep empathy um, that you are longing to connect with your soul. Uh, my guess is that you are probably an old soul. And if you'd like to see where you are on your journey, um, you know, uh, check out the, the quiz, the soul journey quiz um, at nestintheforest.com. And that's only the first quiz. Um, there are several more on Saisha's website. I have done them all. They're just very interesting <laughs> and you get sucked in and you get these amazing results, which are interesting to read. So I totally encourage every listener to Go to her website and try your, these quizzes. If anything, they are self-revelatory. You learn more about yourself and, um, you know, yeah. what stage of growth you are in. So it's very interesting. Yeah. So as, we, um, as we wind down our conversation, Saisha, I want to ask you one last question about this home that you've created in the forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you created it because you wanted to live in solitude and hear your soul speak to you. How challenging was it for you to walk away from the safe path and walk toward the sage's path? Because it, it's not an easy decision. It's an everyday commitment. So what's your life like today and what does this look like? Um, I, I like how you said that, from a safe path to a sage's path. Um, that it, that I might use that myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, it's definitely challenging. But actually, more than that, it was the fear that always threatened to choke me, um, you know, before, uh, before I actually made my move. It was a fear of hurting uh, people, with that, uh, people who loved me with my decisions, mm-hmm. um, fear of what other people might think. That was a biggie <laughs> for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear of the unknown and fear of the uncertainty. I think many people can relate to all of those fears. Um, also, I was a very shy, cowardly little girl. I think Uma, I think I talked to you about this before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very introverted. Um, so it has not been an easy path. Um, but I think the one thing I can, um, I can tell you, I can give credit to, for the life I'm living now is taking baby steps. Um, Again, it's such a seemingly simple thing, but when a decision, um, especially a decision like this, when it's too big to contemplate, uh, if you can break it down into the tiniest little thing you can do for, to take that next step, it goes a long way. And some days, some days um, the most I could do was write in my journal about my dreams. Hmm. 
But some days I did take bigger steps, like putting down a down payment when I walked into this space. It felt very sacred. Um, it's surrounded by trees and water. It's set in a valley. And I realized that this this was what I had been dreaming about all my life, you know, a place in nature that I wanted to call home. Um, I love uh, that I get to be a resident here along with uh, bald eagles and beavers and butterflies. Wow. Um, and I feel an amazing sense of peace, uh, but also a sense that I'm living my purpose. Um, I call it my dharma. And that's uh, important to me. I'm very tempted to come to your nest in the forest, but that would mean interrupting your solitude. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's no accident, Saisha, that you're doing soul work because the soul is shy. The soul speaks in whispers. The soul doesn't crave the limelight. The soul is is very quiet and withdrawn and... um, it's, it's only when you say, speak to me, that it even opens up. So it's no accident that you are a solistic life coach. Isn't that oh, perfect? Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate that. that. That does mean a lot to me. Thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like I've learned so much from you, and I'm so grateful to have connected with you. I'm sure our listeners are longing to know more and work with you and take your free 30-minute session. You have a free 30-minute session and that's, um, you know, a perfect way to see how Saisha can possibly help you. If you're feeling stuck, you feel like you are not in alignment with the life that you want to live and you want a new and better way of, of showing up for yourself and the people you love. So thank you so much again, Saisha. This was absolute joy. And a joy for me. As thank well. you, listeners. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Um, If you want to check out my e-courses, this would be a perfect time because as one year draws to a close and a new year begins, this is the perfect time to actually put into practices the things you want to change, the things you want to embrace, what you need to let go of. And I have three very affordably priced courses on my website All you have to do is go to umagirish.com and you'll find them right there on the homepage in an area which says e-courses. So I hope you'll check that out. I am so grateful to be doing this work and bringing you these fascinating conversations. If you enjoyed what you heard today, do make it a point to share it with somebody and pay it forward. Thank you for joining us again and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Grammar of Grief with Uma Girish. If you enjoyed the program, please leave a review and rating on iTunes. Connect with Uma at www.umagirish.com. That's U-M-A-G-I-R-I-S-H.com for grief guidance and inspiration.